G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 177 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Uh, now, men's health, obviously it's one of the foundations of the Outback Mine Foundation, but also the podcast here. Now, I've got a lady on with me today uh, by the name of Nat Nissen. She's been working in the health space, fitness space for a long time, uh, more than 20 years, basically overcome some poor uh, habits, lifestyle behaviours herself, got herself fit, uh, bought a gym and has never looked back and has been doing some tremendous work uh, to be able to help people but also primarily men with their health uh, ever since. So uh, I was pretty keen to get Nan to, to come on and have a chat today about uh, her own journey and what she's basically been able to do to help guys with their health and be able to sort of improve um, you know, their, their physical well-being, I guess. As I talk about quite a bit, the physical side of our our, uh, our being is uh, basically a big part of our whole well-being. So to be able to get our physical body working properly and optimally uh, is important. So uh, Nancy's an expert in that space, so I was really keen, as I said, to get her on and have a chat about this because uh, she knows her stuff and I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this chat. So um, yeah, appreciate your feedback on it. Uh, also, I wanted to make special mention to the Real Shift that support the podcast. So they've got a nine-week deep dive program which actually helps people uh, with blockages and so forth in their lives. Uh, so if there's something in your life that you're trying to break free of, shift, uh, whether that be a habit or something you want to try and achieve, the deep dive program is, is pretty awesome. There's another Another one coming up in late June, July. Um, they're looking for registrations for that. It's quite uh, affordable, economical, and the results uh, they get for, with people are tremendous. So I really appreciate uh, you jumping on their website and having a look. It's therealshift.com. If you go therealshift.com forward slash deep dive, uh, you can mention the Outback Mine. They'll give you a discount. So uh, please uh, follow them up and support the guys. They're really good at what they do, and uh, the return on investment will be significant. So uh Definitely worth uh, checking out. Alrighty, hope you enjoy this chat with Nant and I. Really appreciate your feedback. To support at outbackmind.com.au. Uh, check out the website if you like, outbackmind.com.au. G'day, Nant. Hello, how are you? Very well, very well. Thank you very much. Uh, really grateful to have you on. And um, oh, thank you for having me. Oh, look, any any anyone that I can speak to that's got uh, insight into well being and health and getting back to the truth of um, you know looking after ourselves and those sorts of things, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to. And I know you and I are pretty aligned with that sort of stuff. And um, you know, it'd just be really awesome for. The, the listeners to hear your own journey and um, you know sort of how how everything's evolved for you because I know you're from Adelaide is that right? Yes, beautiful Adelaide, um, magical place. Yeah, I'm from Adelaide, but in currently in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And and you grew up over there. I did. I grew up over there. Came here for two years with you know um, the family travels for dad's work. Um, and then back to Adelaide. So I've spent most of my formative years in Adelaide. So beautiful big country town and um, very easy to live there. Mm, I spent a lot of my childhood in Holden Hill. Uh, and oh, that, yes. Out <laughs> that way, yeah. My, my cousin Ray Titus is a photographer or he, he worked for the news 
and um, he was now the Crows photographer. I think he might have retired from that. But Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I used to love going over because he'd travel the world with uh, the Australian cricket team and take photos of uh, all these uh, legends and that and bring them back. And um, it was amazing because back in the 70s that was, you know, there wasn't much else uh, to do. And um, certainly, uh, you know, getting... Getting close up and personal with um, with international cricketers was, was something that a country boy from Horsham never got an opportunity to do. So that was an expectation. Oh, it would have been incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Ray Ray gave us lots of exposure to um, to to all that sort of stuff, and oh, I love Adelaide. So um, I live there, but it's a bit cold for me now, unfortunately. <laughs> it is. It is particularly cold. Although you know, call from Damian Gondrasa. Sorry about that. That's okay, you know. Oh, yes, yeah, so we just got interrupted there. Apologise. <laughs> yeah, so... That's okay. What were you saying? I, I apologise there. Um, yeah, Adelaide is a magical place to live, but, yes, the weather is absolutely freezing. But I, I can't say much about that because I'm in Melbourne with, you know, three jackets on because it's so cold. So. Yeah, that's true. Tell me um, uh, what was like uh, life like growing up over there for you? Uh, look, I, I had a magical um, childhood. You know, I had some some things happen that, it, like everyone does, but I'm very grateful and, and very appreciative that I was taught early on about animals mm. and the connection with animals. So I've always had a real, um, a very unique ability to sort of speak with the animals. And I've always had a really um, a huge interest in just wanting to be with nature and understand nature, being curious about things. So I was always a tomboy, always running around. Um, you know, when mum would want to put me in dresses and things, I would cry. I had a pink tracksuit that I didn't want to get out of, and I think I actually stayed in it for a year. <laughs> but, you know, I was always climbing trees, looking for geckos and skinks and, you know, riding horses and, and just always wanting to be, um, just be, really. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I, that's when I was happiest, using my body, playing sport, being in nature and being with animals. So wow. I, I had a really magical childhood. So, <clears throat> Padme, where did life sort of go for you from there, from school? What sort of career path did you take? Well, I, after, soon after school, I had a very big big car accident. Um, I was passenger and the driver went through a giveaway sign and some other people that hit us were coming from Speedway, so they were speeding. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a really bad accident. And I ended up with um, sub, subluxated C4, damage to um, three lower discs and vertebrae, um, and I was I was in the spinal unit in the Royal Adelaide, and then I went to rehab at Wakefield. So that really changed the course of everything, because I, I went from being you know a carefree young adult um, to going through that experience, and then all of a sudden I had back pain. All of a sudden I couldn't do things. All of a sudden I was in rehab. Mm. You know, all of a sudden my focus was on: Am I able to do that? Because my back hurts so much, I've got an injury. So that led me to, I thought it was incredible the way the rehab people helped me. And that's what led me into personal training. Mm. I just remember thinking, I just want to help people and I want to be able to help people like those people help me. So I went into personal training and focused on movement, 
back rehabilitation, um, chronic pain, and became an expert in back pain management mm. and chronic pain. Um, so that's what led me to enter the fitness industry, um, Look, as well as it being an enormous amount of fun, a great industry. Um, the main purpose of that was I, I just want to be able to help people mm. and I want to, you know, with work, I, I, I ventured into the corporate world for a few years, um, but I've, I've always I've been very lucky to find what I love very early because with work, um, I think for me it's very important to love what I do. Mm. And I, fa- I found that in fitness. And I think it's also very important to feel a sense of purpose and that you're giving value and you have significance you know to, to feel to come home and feel like you made a difference in people's lives mm. i think is really really important isn't it uh isn't it uh in its essence uh and that's what we uh, i guess uh need to probably probably find within ourselves is our purpose and then uh the the, the day's work becomes effortless because you really love what you're doing but you know, just fast-tracking a little bit, most of us sort of get sidetracked because we just take our career because it's paying well or whatever, but that really disconnects us from, you know, our, our truth and purpose at the end of the day. A hundred percent. It's, um, over the years, it, it, it used to surprise me, probably about 20 years ago when I used to say to people, um, you know, what's your passion? What, what, what would you love to be doing? And so many people would say, well, I don't know. Mm. And very soon after I realised how fortunate I am that I've known for so long and I have fell into my passion because so many people just don't know what it is or perhaps don't believe that they're really destined to have one. Or as you said, you know, things happen, life events happen, and I think a lot of people, um, certainly past the age of 40, life events happen or a series of life events and we completely lose our purpose, our confidence and we lose our way. Mm, mm, that's right. Yeah, look, you know, I talk about it a lot, you know, educated to support the economy, not educated to, to really, yeah. um, you know, support ourselves and, uh, and, and our well-being primarily and that's where we sort of get unstuck. So, so it would have been pretty rare for you back there in those days, being a personal trainer and sort of getting into that space, was it something that sort of um, was quite difficult for you or did you uh, you manage to sort of get your way into a role um, and, and sustain that quite easily? It was only difficult in the way that um, a few people closest to me thought it was ridiculous. Mm, of course. <laughs> um, and, you know, not, not a proper job and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, etc. So... In that way, it, there was there was pressure on just go and get a proper job for goodness sake. Um, what, what are you doing wearing, wearing tracksuit pants all day? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was really. But I loved it. It was great. It's yeah. a bonus. <laughs> but it was it was interesting that I just fell in love with it, and I saw how it helped people. I saw how people enjoyed themselves and got such great benefit. Um, and I just have always found the body so unbelievably fascinating mm. you know even in school i used to sit there and think well wow all the processes our body's undertaking right now without us even thinking mm. it's incredible um so i i found the actual the process of learning and getting involved really simple and really fun it was it was a great industry to get involved in especially back then 
and um, it was just fun. They welcomed you with open arms. And if you were there for the right reasons, they were happy to have you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, look, and, and good on you for being brave enough to, to do that. You know, uh, a lot of people conform to what the family want you to, want, want, want you to do. But yeah, I've never been very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, sticking to your knitting and what you love because, yeah, it's easy to, to you know, fall into the real job category because it might pay more or whatever, but uh, at the end of the day, you're not really living something that's purposeful to you. And I just think that that's, that's a real gift to be able to see that at an early age like you did. Thank you. Yeah, and, and actually in saying that, I, I did falter. I, uh, I was continuously told by a, a, close, a person close to me to get a real job. Mm. Um, and uh, I went into the corporate world for four years <laughs> yeah. and I, I stayed in fitness on the weekends and after hours um, but um, that, that was a really interesting time being involved in the corporate world and um, everything that that brings with it mm. and it was I was incredibly unhappy mm. not to say that that was the fault of the corporate world it's just not where I was meant to be yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad I did that because it, it has it taught me so much about um, you know real jobs. I'm using my fingers now as I say real jobs. It taught me so much about what people go through in the corporate world and the nine to five or the eight to six or the the longer that mm. the long hours, the approach that's often taken in the corporate world. Um, and the understanding or lack of understanding about workplace wellness. Mm. So I'm really, really grateful for those years because it it's really taught me a lot that I can use now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's really interesting. I spent most of my life managing large uh, male workforces and uh, working across, you know, a lot of different industries, um, managing them uh, as supplementary labour. And I got to observe many employers um you know a lot of them tier one contractors and, and large organizations totally disconnected from the well-being of their people they're only worried about health and safety and worried about uh, the consequences yes. that come with that you know i sort of uh, about 20 years ago i started to have conversations with organizations saying well why aren't we doing things to prevent injury rather than um just wait for them to happen but it's slowly starting to change but geez now 20 years is a long time and there hasn't been a lot of um a lot of shift in that uh, in that preventative direction. I completely agree. It's you know I can't even remember. Um, would it be about fifteen yeah fifteen years ago that I was started working with corporate wellness mm-hmm. and um, you know a lot of fruit baskets and once a week yoga or once a week gym sessions mm-hmm. and you know back then I was saying well no 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 let's let's put strategies in place to make sure that your work your team is always feeling great your, your team are always able to to turn up every day being in optimal health mm. not only is it essential for them but it's going to give you greater productivity greater return on investment etc greater engagement loyalty mm. so there's a, it's, there's no there's no losses everyone wins yes. um and it still amazes me when i see organizations having a fruit basket or a um you know a quarterly wellness day mm. and i think wow we've still got a long way to go you know no we need prevention we need strategies we need implementation of this in the workplace i would rather work for a transformational business than uh, a transactional business 
Oh, I love that. Good one. Mm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And there's not many of them, you know, and uh, if, if hardly any, but uh, but primarily if I was engaged with an employee that really, uh, you know, cared for me and uh, made me feel safe and supported and I wasn't on eggshells, uh, you know, I'd be happy to take a few less dollars for that and they'll put him back into me as an individual because that spreads out into the community and uh, uh, into our families and so forth. And there's no point getting your six-figure salary and going home and being miserable and sitting there and, and just drinking uh, I just think, you know, if you're engaged in a role that, uh, that you, where you feel supported and you, you can contribute, everyone wants to contribute, you know. We want to be able to do things we feel valued and um, a lot of employees don't feel valued in the workplace primarily. Absolutely. And I, I'm just not sure why we're not getting it. I'm not sure why the workplaces and decision makers or managers or, you know, team members are not fully taking on the message that if you are your best, it has impacts in every area of your life. Mm. And, you know, if you, if, even if you only want to look at the dollars, it impacts the dollars in a positive way. Mm. Mm. That's right. Oh, look, the return so, has been significant, yeah. So I'm, not, I'm just not sure in what way we need to change the message or change the narrative so that it's taken on more fully because it, it really has, as you know, such a ma- the prevention has such a big return on investment mm-hmm. that I, I, I'm not sure why we're stalling on it. Mm. I, I do, and it's it's a bigger agenda beyond that. You know, unhealthy people are good for the economy, and um, uh, but that is absolutely true. As yeah. as as I finished saying, I thought, oh, that's a that's a whole other podcast. Yes, it is, <laughs> but. Uh, but primarily that, 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 that system, uh, we talk about the university, the education that goes along with that. A lot of guys that have done MBAs, you know, it's all about bottom line and performance and this, that and the other. The, the employee aspect side of things, um, it's really reactive. The same as a HR function, a HR function is really reactive, yeah. you know. It's, this, it's just there to do processes. I want to see employers investing in the well-being of their people, you know, and, and keeping them. Doesn't it make sense to keep someone in a job rather than turn them over? Uh, doesn't it make sense to be able to uh, have people with smiles on their faces rather than uh, coming to work, like, hungover or, um, or, or not present, you know? Um, I just think... Exactly. Doesn't it just make sense? I mean, if you talk to anyone in recruitment, they, you know, I think the figures back then were... It, it takes between 12 and 18 months when you re- have to rehire someone and train them up. Mm. 12 to 18 months of salary mm. to mm. go through that rehiring process. Mm. So why don't we just in- engage the team that we have? Oh, and exactly, yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But, you know... I will we, get back on track with yourself there, like your physical health, and obviously that was a, a big, um, a big part of your life to to have a physically fit body. Did that help your mental health as well? Yeah, it's, it's interesting actually because when I was in the corporate world and and doing the fitness, I um, I actually became very sick, and because I was a bit younger, I just thought of myself that oh, you know, I'm invincible and I can, I'm too fit. Mm. Um, and that's another topic. Fitness and health are very different things. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, I'll be fine. And I just kept pushing. Um, and I became very, very burnt out, very sick with pneumonia and pleurisy. 
and ended up in hospital. The, and I even when I was taken to emergency, I was having an argument with the doctor saying I need to leave. Mm. And, you know, we agreed on me staying one night. Um, I ended up staying 14. Oh, true, because they found stuff. Yeah, was, so yeah. I, was in there, I was in there for two weeks. And, and in emergency, I made a deal that I'll just stay the one night if you promise you'll let me go tomorrow. Mm. Um, and um, thankfully, the doctor looked after me there. And um, I came out of hospital and I thought I was fixed, though. And I continued to do everything I previously did. And I ended up in the same position. Mm. And after that, I ended up with three and a half years of post-viral syndrome, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And that was three and a half years of every single symptom you could possibly think of from mental health, emotional health, physical health, everything. Mm. And I went three and a half years of just trying to get well. I I would do anything to feel better. And um, because it's really just surviving through life, you know, you're doing the basics, the bare minimum to get through each day when when you're feeling that unwell. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, specialist after specialist, because as you know, um, you see different people for different areas of your body. Mm. And eventually, I, I actually remember driving down to see a specialist and a thought came into my head and I just kept thinking over and over, you're not meant to feel like this. You're meant to be healthy and happy. And the thought just kept going. So I turned the car around, I cancelled my appointment and I went looking in, a, in different areas. I eventually found an uh, incredible naturopath and I went on the, uh, the journey of, of healing in that way mm. and I got better. Mm, mm, of course. And then I thought, well, I have to study this so I can help everyone else get better. I, I have to help people know that they don't have to go through that or feel like that. And so I, I studied and, and then became a nutritionist and naturopath and et cetera to, um, to be able to help other people. So everything that, I've, that I teach, that I've studied, that I um, am very passionate about are things that I've experienced myself mm. and then gone and, and learned about and then helped other people with. So much so powerful. Yeah. So go ahead. So, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. I mean, really, I, all I can say is I'm really appreciative of those times because I, I wouldn't have gone into further into health if uh, I hadn't experienced that. Yes, and, and, and that in its essence is a gift, you know, to be able to see what it's like, to be able to come out the other side and, and, uh, and retrain yourself uh, into a different modality, I think is really key, you know. And, um, um, you know... Just, just on, 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 like the clinical model. Say, for example, like if uh, someone's ill, there'll be a chemical enhancement or intervention. There's no lived experience that's come from that, you know. So, for someone that's actually walked the path um, of the individual and be able to understand them and guide them, I think is is really important. Whether that be, you know, with uh, with with getting their physical body right or helping them, um, you know, with their mental health and that type of thing, you know, and. Uh, it's a reactive model we're still in. I just think it's it's time we started to shift that. Absolutely, in in so many ways. You know, it's uh, we we spoke before. You know, I was brought up like many people. You know, if there's something wrong, go to the doctor. They know. Mm. Um, but we're not taught how much we know, and how much our body knows. And we're we're taught to 
symptomatically look after ourselves, uh, whether that's, you know, look, and, and all medicine has a place. Um, but for chronic illness, you want to be able to get to the underlying cause. Now, that doesn't mean that you might not also um, make room for all medicine, but you've got to be able to get to the underlying cause and listen to what your body's saying. So if our body speaks with us through symptoms, as frustrating as we've taught that to be, instead of shutting that off and telling our body to, to shut up, wouldn't it be better to listen to what it's saying mm. and work from there and provide an environment in which our body can heal? Because, you, you know, you could, you could obviously don't go and do this, but you could cut your finger and if you put it in the right environment, you could watch it heal over a week. Mm. If you cut it and you leave dirt on it and it's, you know, it's all moist and there's water all around it, you don't dry it for a week, it'll probably get infected and it won't heal very well. Mm. The same happens on the inside of our body. Mm. You know, it's, our body's designed to heal. We just need to provide it with the right environment. Mm. Agreed, Nan. You know, the body is smarter and it's trying to be healthy all the time, right? So, so when someone's got an ailment... Maybe the best food is no food um, sometimes to be able to actually like give the body a chance to, to deal with the issue. Um, you know, I know that's very hard for, for people to, to understand and comprehend, but when the body isn't having to deal with other things and it's in a nice, calm, natural environment, then all the healing goes to the area that needs healing. And um, um, I just think, um, you know, yeah, getting off track a little bit, but... With um with with someone that is 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 crook like having them to take all this stuff and then eat to be able to comfort them and so forth may not may not be the right approach sometimes to be able to sort of nourish the body and give it what it needs to deal with the the issue I think is probably a, a smarter way to go. A hundred percent. It's you know it's quite sad that we've been brought up to believe that our body is annoying in any way. Mm. You know, there, there's so many people with so many health challenges and we get annoyed with our body when in actual fact our body is constantly trying to do the best for us mm. and constantly trying to put us back in our natural state of health and happiness and vitality mm. Mm. and as you said you know there are times when it would be best to let your body rest um, but then we have a lot of underlying beliefs that we've grown up with that say you've got to eat or you've got to do this or we might put on if we're watching the news we'll feel anxious or fearful or uncertain and many of those triggers send us towards food yes so you know it's i wouldn't it's, it's not complex but it's there's a lot of elements to it but once you put all those elements together it all works beautifully it's it all works in symmetry you know i i always say there's four pillars physical mental emotional and soulful yes and when those pillars are strong like the foundations of a house the structure sits well the structure is sound and when big storms come the structure is fine because the foundations are fine mm. but if those one or more of those foundations are weak or crumbling then you know we know that the house leans it falls the the walls start to crack the structure starts crumbling so as long as you've got your pillars strong and sound working together um it's amazing what the body can do 
agree. And you know, just how 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 denatured we've been. You know, if you sort of look at your environment, and your ecosystem, and there's things going wrong, well, you know, the body might be telling you something there. So getting out into nature and, and getting connected again, I think, can help uh, us above the shoulders, but also can help the physical body heal. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. It's, um, you know, one of my friends said a little while ago, you know, it's not nature in us, we are nature. Yeah. So, you know, everything is energy. And for us to even put our feet on grass, you know, we, we all know what that feels like. You know, I remember taking a group of um, corporate workers down to a creek once. And this was a very, very long time ago, way before corporate wellness was in in any way. And I, they, they really were all the way, it was a five-minute walk, all the way they were saying, you are out of this, like there's something wrong. Mm. What are you doing? And I said, please just trust me. I got them to take their shoes off. I got them to walk in the in this little stream. I got them to touch the trees. You should have seen them on the way back. It completely different. Their whole demeanour, their attitude, their the pain in their body, their energy levels, their optimistic outlook, their attitude towards clients that they were seeing that afternoon. Everything changed. Like kids again. Yes, exactly. They connected with nature. They connected with themselves. They had fun. They let themselves be in the moment and their energy changed everything. Mm. Do you know what? Like you think about you being in hospital uh, under a fluoro light and in a bed and no sunlight and no connection, you know, three or four stories up, you know, you're not giving your body a great uh, chance to sort itself out, are you? It's not a... Um, no, look, it's not conducive to health. Mm. To, to optimal health. It's conducive to, I think, the that system doing their best to keep people alive and, and you know, fix people up. Um, but if you really want optimal health, you need, to, you need to be listening to your body. You need to be listening to people who have been there and done it. You need to be putting strategies in place as prevention. That's right. You, know, you, you need to be having this as a lifestyle, as an everyday thing. And unfortunately, we've also been taught, there is, you know, there are so many things that we've been taught that are incorrect. You know, a lot of people think health is hard work or, you know, they've got to do this one big thing every week to be healthy or they've got to get up at four to go to the gym. No. Health is all about you. You get health. You listen to your body and understand how to respond to your body, how to give your body what it wants and needs and when. And health works around you. You find what, what works for you. It's not about fitting into the fitness or health box mm. and fitting your lifestyle around what everyone else is telling you to do or the trend at the time. Mm. It has to be what works for you, which is not what works for the, your next-door neighbour or someone else. Isn't that amazing, like, just how um, how we've sort of been sort of uh, taken down a path of all being the same? Uh, yes. And that, that, that can really, that can really, dis what, it does disconnect us because we're all all doing 
the same thing, but all our body types are different. Eastern cultures talk about the doshas and you know different body types and all those sorts of things, and you know we don't have any any of that awareness here at all. You know, it's all like we're different different species, but we're not. You know, and um, you know what you eat and what um, uh, I eat and and other people different body types has got to change. You know, and if someone goes into a hospital environment, they're given the same stuff as as everyone else. It's probably putting the body in information primarily, then it's not going to give um, them the right environment or ecosystem to, to sort themselves out, I guess. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think the, the marketing around the diet industry has a big role to play here because, you know, I, I really dislike diets. Therapeutic eating plans are, are different. Um, but diets, you know, I always say, even if you found the, a right diet for you, your body needs different things on any given day you might be you might have less sleep more exercise a deadline to meet relationship troubles overnight um you might have great a great relationship you might have more stress you might be traveling you might have had not not enough hydration you know there are so many elements that come into play digestion you know i could just go on and on so instead of looking outside of ourselves if we actually learn the skills, and they are skills, that it's not just, you know, for some lucky people. If we learn the skills of how to understand our body and what it wants and needs, we, we no longer have to guess or we no longer have to follow a diet because we know what our body needs and wants mm. at any given time. Mm. That's true. Isn't it amazing, like... Um, um you watch the TV or, you know, when we were kids watching the TV, how we'll program then to, to, to want all these yeah. stim stimulants, you know. So, so that's our mind kicking in, telling us we need something right. The, the, the way to shift that is to actually, like, feel into your physical body and, and understand what your physical body is teaching you and, and how that deals with certain foods and so forth and not being able to force against it but actually work with it. And, um um yeah you know we've actually gone off track a hell of a lot when you think about it at the end of the day oh uh, we've we've gone you know when i started in the industry nearly three decades ago i thought wow we've got a lot of work to do but we have really gone in the wrong direction mm. we've got so much work to do i mean even if you just think about out the way our lifestyles have gone and the technology, which I really appreciate because I probably wouldn't be able to do it this podcast with you. Mm. Um, however, you know, something as small as slowing down your eating of your main meals has such a big impact on our digestive system, mm. on fat loss, digestion, energy levels, sleep, you name it, on lowering inflammation. So... You know, a lot of people I'll say, just time yourself with your main meals. You know, it, it needs to be over 10 minutes. Mm. You need to be enjoying your food. You need to be mindful of your food. Digestion starts in the mind. Um, but people, we just, you know, we're watching things that are often, um, if we're eating in front of the news or one of those silly police shows, mm -hmm. um, we're often feeling very negative emotions or emotions that we would prefer not to feel and we're rushing down our food or we're at our emails and we're rushing down our food at our emails mm. and we're not feeling how we need to be feeling to induce health and great digestion we're not aware of our food we're not being mindful and it, it 
is so far away from what optimal health is and what connecting with our body is. Mm. Mm. Oh, look, I, you, you, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. And, um, um, yeah, you know, flashbacks uh, consistently from, from my childhood. And, and, and being tense, you know, when the mind's in tension, the body's in tension, just remember that. You know, if your mind's at ease and the body's at ease and the body's following what the mind's basically saying here and... Um, um, you know, you need, when I was a young fellow, we'd say grace before we ate, ate, you know, and that put you in a nice calm state to eat your, eat your meal and you were more conscious and connected. And I try and chew, you know, 35 times before I swallow to make sure it's, it's satiated, yeah. you know, and, um, uh, and the food digests well. But when you're thinking too much, you're only a, a few, few, few chomps on, on what, what's in your mouth and that, that's down into, into the belly and your body's got to deal with that then. So... That preventative approach, I think, is really important. And modern society is trying to teach us to rush consistently, you know. And um, I think we've all got the power to be able to work against that. We've just got to be aware of it. 100%. I mean, how many people do you know that will say, you know, you'll, you'll say, oh, no, slow down or just take a breath. And it will always be, no, but there's too much to do. I've got to do this. I've got this news. I've got... Mm. And I think, well, hang on. But you're feeling unproductive. You're exhausted. You're stressed. So... What do you think your output is like right now? Mm. You know, how do you think your creativity and your focus and your ability to see opportunities and different ways of doing things, how do you think that's you're going to perform living at that level mm. of constant stress and, and being constantly on? Mm. So you're right. We're, we're just, we've been taught to just be constantly thinking. Mm. That's right. And that has massive impacts. And people will say, my mind's always on. And unfortunately, over the years, there's been this really big approach to, um, you know, hustle. I'm always working. I'm, I've got so much on. I'm so tired. Um, you know, I'm a workaholic. It's, it's almost seen as a badge of honour. Mm, mm, it's, it's, it's totally you know, I'm, I'm just so busy. Mm. Well, we're all busy, but that should not be, the, you know, what makes us shine. That That should not be you know the blue ribbon mm. the blue ribbon should be i feel successful i'm achieving in every part of my life i'm happy i feel amazing i'm enriched i add value i've never felt so much energy i am connected with my body i have the most awesome relationship you know you can get more things done when you're living in optimal health mm. it, it comes it flows Whereas, you know, when we're not well and when we're stressed and always thinking, as you said, it, it's a very uphill push, hard work, hustle approach. Mm. It's the, you know, the foot's on the accelerator consistently. And, um, yeah, I always talk about coming back through the gears. Why be in fifth and sixth gear all the time? Because eventually you're going to... Uh, you know, run out of petrol tickets, and um, I just, <laughs> I just think we've got to, we've got to have that, that complete balance. Our mind is there for a purpose and a reason. It doesn't need to be activated all the time. We've got to learn to slow the mind down, slow the body down at the same time. You know, that's why I love teaching Yin Yoga because it actually does both, and uh, people can feel it in their body. They get more connected in their body, and then their, their mind starts to follow and. Um, and that's really getting back to the, 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 the you know, the, the frequency and the fluency uh, of life. And um, uh, I just think, 
you know, we're, 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 we've got to be careful. Otherwise, you know, disease comes physically and mentally, doesn't it? You know, and um, there's no, no good in being reactive to that, to be proactive and actually sort of see, um, yeah, there's an issue here. There's an imbalance. I need to uh, deal with this myself rather than outsource it possibly. Um, you know, I think it's probably a smart way to go. 100%. It's, um, and, you know, you mentioned getting into your body. The, you know, the, the mind is incredible and we know not nearly enough about it, but the mind is there to also help us follow patterns and habits that we've grown up with. Mm. It's to help keep us safe. It's to protect us. So in, in helping um, slow the mind and moving into our body, that's where we get to feel our emotions. Mm. And I think that's what people need a lot of help with because we just haven't been taught how to deal with our emotions. So we, we push them down, but like a you know on a pot on a stove, if the pot's very full and it's already warm, it doesn't take much heat to have it boil over. Mm. So, you know, movement is one of the best ways to release negative energy and to get into your body and actually feel your body. And it's a great way you know, none of us like to feel anxious, sad, lonely. None of us like to feel any of that. But we do need to feel it to be able to release it from our body. Yes. So exercise is a perfect way. Movement and yoga, as you teach, is a perfect way to release that emotion through movement and learn from it at the same time. Because very often when we quiet our mind and move into our body, we actually then can listen to and hear the messages that those emotions are actually sending mm. what we need to know mm. and then we can learn and move on and choose directions from there listening to the teacher within you and um you know a lot of emotions get stored in our body you know if you start to release your hips often then a lot of stuff will come out and, and go with that too and um um yeah you know it's it's amazing. Um, once you, you quiet the mind, then, then everything starts to come back to balance. But that that is available to all of us now. Like a lot of people have had trauma. You know, one of the biggest gifts mm. that I have was actually to go into jails and teach yoga and um, to be able to help some of these guys which were highly traumatized and agitated feel safe first and foremost, but to be able to help them release emotions through their body and be, be okay to do that. And just how good they felt physically and how that actually impacted their mental health, you know. And, um, and you know, we've got a really reactive society. When you sort of see some of these young fellas and now old fellas that have been in that cycle and that system a lot of their lives, we're just punishing them for trauma that's not their fault. If someone actually gave them a strategy and a pathway to be able to release that trauma proactively, then maybe the behaviours wouldn't come. But, you know, stress and anxiety, tension... Um, poor lifestyle behaviours usually come because we haven't addressed an issue in our body and that tension is there so we go and try and do something to give us some temporary pleasure but it doesn't really um, give us um, uh, you know, an impact at the, uh, at the end of the day a bit like the workplaces you know, bringing in the mass- massage once a month and that sort of thing Yeah, it, it, it's 100% you know, it's one, congratulations on, on going into the jails what an incredible experience and in helping men and it's it's everyone but especially men have not been taught 
strategies and tools and tips on how to feel and deal with our emotions. Mm, great. So if you're not able, I've always, you know, I look at um, having gone through a previous domestic violence uh, relationship, I look at it a little bit differently. My logic says if we help men to be their best and we give them the tools and strategies to be their best, then in my mind, a lot of the issues in society would decrease. Mm. Mm. Because if people knew better, they would do better. It's just that we, we haven't been taught how to... Well, not only have we not been taught about strategies and tips and tools, we've actually been taught to be afraid of our emotions. Mm. Terrible. You know, that, oh, that doesn't feel good. Oh, that needs to go down into my body and I'm going to do something to feel another way. So, you know, what you were saying about trauma, etc. unless that's dealt with, that stays with us. Mm. Oh, look, look oh, no, no doubt. That, that is another po podcast in itself too. But you know what, Nance? Oh, I've, I've seen it at, at all angles, all ages, all demographics. By default, years ago, I ended up um, teaching uh, Year 12s yoga, you know, Year 11s and 12s, and they were the most stressed, tense and anxious people I'd ever come mm. across, you know. So this is, this is the adult life that people are getting sort of indoctrinated in. They're actually like in this mindset of fear and tension and that before they actually even go into the workforce, you know, which is really wrong. You know, these young people need to be supported into life rather than sort of put into fear and... Uh, and that, and you know, I, these kids come up crying at the end of the classes and just saying, I feel like myself again, you know? Oh. And that's that's not right, you know? They need to be able to feel free rather than, um, they're, they're, they're worried about results, marks, expectations, all those sorts of things. That's where I think we've got to start to make some serious changes moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I, I really feel for kids nowadays. You know, I don't, I don't know if I could have been, um, I don't know if I could have ex experienced that and still enjoyed my younger years. Mm. You know, the, the constant tech, the constant never getting away from things, the constant pressure to be on all these platforms and, um, you know, behave in a certain way and always be watched and, you know, always be monitored and the, the even more pressure to perform, to perform in certain ways. Um, to go against what's naturally um, suited to you mm. and just fit, fit in and conform. Um, you know, it's it's a, a completely different world for teenagers growing up now. Mm. And we're, so we've given them all this technology and all these expectations, but we haven't given them the tools to be healthy and to get to know themselves and connect with themselves so that they can their best and use all the the tool the technology etc that is, is available to them mm. you know everyone just says you've got this great new world you know what, what are you complaining about well but they haven't given they haven't been given a lot of the tools and values and stand ex standards etc to be able to handle going into the into the world as you said mm, agree yeah it's it's a shame and that, you know, in its essence is a pathway to poor mental health, you know. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's tricky and, you know, our generation uh, were quite lucky in many ways but a lot of us become attached to our identity through our roles and our, um, our, our purpose, so-called purpose in life and when that's taken away we actually like 
get imbalance in ourselves and with guys that can lead to some serious depression and suicide and so forth as well, which is pretty common and all very common and, and you know, really needs some addressing, you know, and um, I just think, yeah, we, we've got uh, a bit of work to do with regards to, um, you know, re reshifting the way that people sort of go about their lives to be able to sort of be a bit more connected to themselves and, um, um, you know, that, uh, that comes through, you know, the four pillars that you discussed before. I think if you've got that as your foundation, I reckon that's a, a great way to sort of, you know, uh, uh, model your life and have that framework around you that can really support you to be aware of that and sort of see when you're out of alignment. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. You know, that's it's and uh, men do. You know, there there are certain stages in life that many people, especially men, experience uh, a great sense of loss, confidence, purpose. Things change and. You know, I, I often hear a lot of people say, well, I'm old enough now, I know myself. Mm. And when, when we get to the bottom of it, you might know your habits and the way you currently do things. But no, you've, you've been very disconnected from yourself for a very long time. Mm. Mm. So you don't really know yourself because unless we know how to better ourselves, how to deal with our emotions, how to process our feelings, how to even recognise our feelings... Um, how to break patterns in our mind, how to provide the right environment for our body to heal, then we don't really know ourselves. We just know who, who we currently are. Yes. Yeah. But if we truly get to know ourselves, we can, we can move into who we really want to be. Mm. Beyond our identity. Exactly. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, we, we, as you said, we're so stuck with this identity. And as we get older, life, life happens. And, you know, people lose jobs, marriages, etc. And people really suffer through this, because, as you said, because their identity is so associated with things. Mm. And it impacts them so greatly. And they don't know how to deal with this. And as I said, a lot of people will say, but no, I'm old enough to know myself. Well, if you truly knew yourself, would you be feeling the way you are? Mm. If you truly knew yourself, would you be using food or overworking or drinking or excessive TV watching or gaming? Would you be using those things as an escape? Because if you really know someone, you think of any friend in your life, if you really know someone and love them, you don't try and escape them. Mm, that's right. Mm. You know, if you've got friends that you really love, you try and see them all the time, whenever you can. Mm, that's true. Even if you have to have a hard discussion with them, you know, it, it's, you, have it, you have it, you have a real conversation, you move on. Out of a hundred people, how many people do you think would love themselves? Oh, wow. Um, okay, so, well, let me just say it this way. I probably know three to five people um, who truly love themselves in every pillar and truly understand themselves continue to grow and learn to continue to develop and the most i think one of the most important parts is they express that outwardly they live 
truly authentically. Mm. That to me is truly loving yourself. Mm. So they live unashamedly. They, they make no excuses for who they are. Um, I, I probably know a handful, mm. which is, is sad, isn't it? It is. It really is. Um, you know, I had a conversation with a guy earlier today that taught preps, uh, and he said that was the best experience of his life because they were just, they, they just had no comprehension of anything else other than being in the present moment and actually enjoying themselves, you know. Um, the education system's got a lot to answer for, I, I believe, with regards to the way we've been sort of pushed away and disconnected from ourselves. And, and we judge ourselves, we're our own worst critics, most of us, uh, we're, we're, we're not compassionate and kind to ourselves, you know, all those sorts of things. I think we've got to relearn. We've got to re start to relearn these behaviours because they're innate human behaviours. They're the higher levels of consciousness that we've just been distracted from. Absolutely. And, but again, if you, you know, this affects everyone, not just the teenagers, the young adults growing up, but this social media and the constant platforms leads us, has led to so many mental health challenges and emotional health challenges, mm. comparison and not being good enough. And as you said, you know, we already have that. School teaches us that. Mm. But now we've got it on social media too. So, there's a huge influx of people comparing themselves, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy. Um, any of those issues that are underlying from childhood anyway are just exacerbated. Mm. And it's, it's, it's some technology, some social media has taken us so far away from ourselves that I, I think a lot of us don't even know whether we're coming or going sometimes. Mm. Yeah. We feel, you know, people feel so lost and so out of purpose and so out of alignment. And I don't know how we can expect people to turn up at work and perform really well, as you said. You know, if people have been drinking overnight, how are they going to turn up? I don't know how we can expect to give our loved ones our best. I don't know how we can expect to work in a community Um Sorry, you did? Yep, lost your fatigue. Go yeah, I, I don't know how we can expect to live in a really harmonious, thriving community if we're not thriving ourselves. Mm. Mm. Oh, absolutely. It's, well, isn't it, isn't it what was meant for us? You know, everything is, is laid out for us to be able to be creative, to be, to be connected, like we're meant to be as humans, not disconnected. Uh, the, 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 the planet's giving us everything we need to be able to thrive, but we're actually like forcing against that in many ways. All the time we forced against it. And one of the saddest things I think is that, you know, when you and I say things like connected, um, in alignment, um, meditation, etc. meditation's more accepted now, but certainly 20 years ago, when you and I would have been discussing this with people, it was often seen as, you know, woo-woo and, you know, a little bit out there. Um, and what we're really talking about is just getting back to ourselves. We're talking about getting back to our natural state and getting into a position of thriving instead of just surviving. And everything at the moment is just leading us and pushing us, as you said, much more towards just surviving and getting through the day. You know, how many people do you know just say, how are you? Not bad, good, yeah, 
um, yep, just getting through the day, just surviving. Mm. No. In what world do we think that is okay? okay yeah. You know, around the water cooler, you know, I used to hear people in offices say, how are you? I've got a headache. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I get them all the time, don't worry. Or, no, I didn't sleep well, and someone will pipe up. Oh, God, I never sleep well. You know, you're at a barbecue and, and someone will say, oh, no, I've got this, and someone else will say, oh, no, after a certain age, everyone has has <laughs> yeah. aches and pains. You know, everyone can get, can't get out of bed. And I just think, what are we normalising? Mm, that's right. Why are we not normalising when, when someone, if someone says, I feel amazing, why is that not normalised? You know, I've got a friend who, when, whenever you ask her, how are you? It will never be good, not bad. It will be, I'm amazing. I'm incredible. How are you? Mm. And it's it's just awesome. The energy coming off her is amazing. Mm. Mm. Now, I'm not expecting everyone to be like that, but many of us don't even know how to name our emotions. Yes, that's right. And a lot of people who would be classed as emotional people, um, that's classed as a bad thing. Now... If you have control of your emotions and you understand your emotions and you know how to process, recognise um, and release your emotions, why is it a bad thing that you would outwardly express anything in a respectful and constructive way? Mm. You know, what, why are we pushing people to be so, um, you know, one level? And if that's the way you naturally are, that is absolutely fine, 100%. But as soon as people start showing more emotion and expressing themselves more fully, we often shut them down. Yes. Terrible, isn't it? And it's, it's, yeah. it's been going on for a while. It's, it's still very common. You know, we, we masquerade and say, um, you know, are you okay days, all those sorts of things. But as soon as that's out of the road, we go back to these, uh, these lower levels of, uh, of awareness and consciousness, which isn't a great way to live, you know. And I, I see that behaviour, as I mentioned, you know, with compassion because people are just so disconnected and hurting within themselves that the best thing for them to do is to put someone else down or, or whatever, you know, to make someone else feel yeah. uncomfortable and, un and imbalanced. And it's not uh, not really a great way to be a functional human, you know. There's, there's all these things we've got, at the, the power within us to be able to make these changes. We've just got to... Put time into into nourishing that and, and unlearning what we've learned because what we've learned maybe isn't working for a lot of people. You know, we've got to be able to to, to, to change that. Absolutely, you know, it's, it, we've got to, as you said, we've got to put ourselves in a place to be able to do that. So that might mean that you spend some time around some different people who are experiencing a life that you would like. Mm who have overcome the challenges that you have. Um, it's, it's really important that we recognise the little behaviours that are contributing to how we're feeling and, and whether we want to feel like that. So, you know, looking at what you're normalising, are you enjoying your life? Are you happy? Are you in a loving relationship? Are you showing love in that relationship? Are you happy with your work? Are you happy with how you're showing up every day? Are you showing up as you? And if any of those are not in alignment with you, then I think we've forgotten how much power, as you said, we really have. Mm, to change that. And how even small changes can make such a big difference. Mm. You know, you can, you can change at any time. 
in any way. And uh, again, an another another normal is well, it's too late. I can't yes. change now. I'm too old. It's never too late. You're never, you know, you can make, make shifts uh, little, which can become big shifts. Exactly. I mean, what a ridiculous statement. You I can't change. You're not a tree. <laughs> you can, you know. Yes. So it, it's. It, I think. I think that what we have to do is start getting curious, and just thinking, well, what do I think about that? If I'm not feeling good about that, what what do I think? What what do I think that everything the news says is correct? Do I believe whatever this person says and that person's always complaining and telling me it's normal to, to feel horrible, mm. to feel tired? You know, just start noticing who are you listening to and who are you around who and who are you taking advice from? Because are they qualified? This is something that I really love. Only take qualified advice and only take qualified criticism. Mm. Now, the internet has given us trolls, which, which for a lot of people is very, very challenging. Mm. And one of, the, one of the people that I know that deals with this the best, who's quite a public figure, so they get a lot of it, um, always says, and, and you'll see the comments, you know, he'll always say, well, are you qualified to give me that advice? You know, when you, if, if you would like to upload a video and do that yourself, etc., I'll happily discuss it with you. But he's not going to feel bad and poorly about himself because someone else who's not qualified to give that advice comes on and just says something. Mm. And I, is that person qualified to give you advice? You know, because, for example, some of our family members give us advice all the time or our, our, the people very close to us. But they're giving us advice based on their perceptions, their beliefs, how they feel. Yes. So if they've already got an underlying belief that says after age 45, you creak and ache and you, you're just sore, then they will fulfill that belief and carry that belief with you. Mm. So you need to make sure that you're listening and being very mindful of what you're letting into your mind. Mm. I always say st stand guard to the door of your mind. Yes. Um, and you need to be very mindful of just who you're taking advice from, who you're taking criticism from, and become a little bit more curious as to, you know, but what if oh, very often you'll hear people say, what if, and it will always be a negative. What if this happens? What if that happens? Mm. What if the opposite happens? Mm. What if I felt amazing? What if... What if that person was wrong? What if, what if I could feel incredible? What if it wasn't, what, what if it wasn't something that ran in the family? Mm, what if it wasn't something that just happens after a certain age? If dad has dementia, then that doesn't mean you're going to get it as well or all have it. You can do things to, to help you. You know, if, if cancer runs in your family, doesn't mean you're going to get it, you know, all, all those sorts of things that, that, that really um, manifest disease, don't they? You know, if you've got that belief system, that's the power of being a human to actually understand that our belief systems are very, very powerful. You know, if we can believe something, it can become true in reality, you know. If we're believing something that's negative, that, that negativity will come. If you're putting beliefs towards positive things with... Um, Know, huge impactful outcomes uh, which are coming from the heart then they can absolutely come true absolutely it's it, our, our beliefs are the foundations 
that build our patterns and habits and therefore our actions. Mm. So, you know, we've heard it so often, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure I used to say it when I was younger, things like, oh, well, runs in the family, or, well, you know, mum and dad always do that, or just, you know, it's, it's genetic. Well, no, it's not. You can change your environment, and we know with genome sequencing, we know with um, genetics, we know with um, all the research that's coming out now, epigenetics shows that you need a trigger with, with the genes anyway. So, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but mm. you've got to provide the environment. So a lot of what people say is, well, that, you know, it's just the way it is. You're right, that, that's just an underlying belief that no longer serves them and perhaps never did. You may have picked it up when you were younger. Mm. You may have picked it up from a teacher that you respected and thought was amazing. So you listened to, held on to every word. Yes. But we've got to be able to look at what beliefs do we have in that area and do those beliefs still serve us? Yes, absolutely. Well, they're, you know, a bit like the education system, it's still doing it the same way we were 40 or 50 years ago. Maybe it's time to, to shift that, you know. Um, it's just like our beliefs. Our beliefs may be redundant now if we can start to move them on. I think that's that's really important, and that's something that you do. You sort of help people um, with that, with with their with their blockages and their belief systems to be able to move them on. Um, how could people get hold of you if they want to look at the work you've you've done or you're doing to maybe get some support to be able to meet those health challenges and that that they that they've faced? Um, you can go to natnison.com, um, and everything's there. Um, Really, I've got some great programs, great men's programs, both group and, and individual. Um, Natnison.com is definitely the place to go, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm regularly on LinkedIn. Um, but absolutely, speaking about beliefs, you know, we, we've been taught that it's going to take years of therapy to get over things. Mm. And, you know, not taking anything away from anyone who's gained a lot of benefit from therapy in a traditional sense. Um, and as I said, all medicine has a place. But I think we've been trained to think that change is too too hard and being optimally healthy and feeling that way is too hard. Mm. It's not. With the right strategies and tools and when you learn to connect with your body and understand it, things fall into place. Mm. And if you've got the right tools that suit you and your health and your lifestyle... And, and the right strategies, the right support, the right education, the right guidance, the right accountability, you're providing that external environment so that you can provide the right internal environment. Mm. And, and that's our birthright, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, we're meant to be happy, thriving, optimum physical and mental well-being. That, that's, that's the way we come into the world, you know. We're just sort of getting in the road of that. But I just think... If we can start to, to divert things, then, you know, things can sort of fall back into place, you know, and someone like yourself that's got the lived experience but also just helps so many other people, I think, is a tremendous gift. And, you know, if people are listening to this and they've gone around this loop and it hasn't worked, maybe look at uh, talking to someone like yourself to be able to get those, um, 
those uh, those those changes sort of uh, enhance, but also to have someone sort of help them along the way, I think is really important because a lot of people, you know, they can't do it on their own, and uh, you know that investment in, no. in, in yourself, I think, can uh, can make a huge difference in um, in you transforming the rest of your life. Doesn't matter whether you're seventy five or seventeen, you know, um, you can still make those changes, which can give you years of. Uh, a better connection with yourself and others, I reckon, that So, uh, you know, I... Thank you so much. And, yeah, it's about... It's not about quantity. It's about quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love both, We'd love both but it's, it's quality. And can I just say this... So that next time we speak, um, either on podcast or otherwise, this is really quite fascinating. When, when someone says, when you find a person and you say, how are you? And they say, I'm amazing. I feel great. <laughs> People will say, gee, they're a bit weird. Mm. What's, what's going on there? Are they, what's, they, you know, they'll make a few jokes or what, what have they taken? What's going on? They're always happy. What's wrong with them? <laughs> if, if you, and then most often you'll put, yeah, not bad. Yeah, well, you know, getting along. You know, just, you know, doing a bit tough or, um, you know, surviving. Yeah, good. When we behave like that, that's considered normal. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like even if people were feeling amazing, they wouldn't outwardly express that. Mm. Mm. Because that would be considered far too different. Yes. So... It's, it's, just, it's just something to notice that I've always found quite interesting over the years, you know, that um, how people are, are really feeling. It, I think it would be so wonderful. Sorry, I know we, we probably have to go. I, I just Can I just finish on this? I, I just think it would be wonderful if we could get to a place that if you are feeling amazing, you can say it. And if you're not feeling amazing you can actually name those emotions and you can say to someone, if a friend of yours asks you how you are, instead of saying you're not bad, you can actually say, actually, I'm not feeling great at the moment. Can we talk later? Yes. I'm anxious. You know, to, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, if, if now's not a good time, just, you know, like quietly say to them, thank you for asking. Actually, truth is I'm not feeling great. Mm. Could I call you later? Or... You know, the ability for us to just be able to express ourselves fully and honestly and be received and, and understand that we will be received in a courteous and respectful way, that I think that would be the most incredible thing. Mm, absolutely. Well, I think that's... Um uh, an amazing way to end the conversation and that's, a, that's some huge takeaways for people there and particularly that last one, you know. Um, certainly I'm going to be more observant uh, with regards to the way that I respond. I, I never respond negatively. I never sort of, you know, don't really feel no, like that I, bad to say I'm feeling like crap, but I, I certainly, um, you know, uh, if I start having positive uh, feedback or giving positive feedback that can that can really help other other people lift themselves up as well rather than just myself i guess too so it's, it's really well said thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it it's yeah. been wonderful to speak with you yeah sure we're gonna have many more in the future so uh yeah really grateful for this one and, and really appreciate people's feedback so and re reaching out to nan i really encourage you to do that so thanks very much nan thanks so much aaron speak to you soon